Juice coming to you live from Newsstand Studios at Rockefeller Center. And now to hand it over to my guest announcer, Phil Bravo. And I'd like to welcome everyone here today with Dave Arnold, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, Joe Hazen, Jackie Molecules, Jean Nihul, and again, special guest, Phil Bravo. Please. Phil Bravo! How you doing, Phil? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, hey, Dave? You were supposed to say, call in your questions, too! 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. There are no chances. There are no chances. There's no stepping. It's just get this thing going. Get it going. Wrap it up. See, people can't see us. Well, people on Patreon, if, you, if you're a member of Patreon, you can. If you really wanted to see us, you could. Right? That's true. Did you announce Jackie Molecules? He did. I did, yeah. Where are you, Jackie? I, I don't yeah. Know. Sure How you doing? How's, uh, how's California? I'm here? good, man. Yeah? Yeah? As uh, delightful as ever. You, so- you sound delighted. <laughs> you sound like I this is you. This is your droopy dog. <sighs> delightful as ever. California. <laughs> California got you down? You, you're doing a little no, bit man. of the Neil Diamond? You're, gonna, you're caught between two shores? LA's no home. Way, you know, LA's fine, but it ain't home. New York's New York's home, but it ain't yours no more? Uh, you're not I'm, a Neil I'm Diamond an LA fan? I'm guy now. Oh my God. I'm not a Neil Diamond fan. We've been over this. I'm, I'm, yeah. I just can't I believe it. Maybe I'm I block sorry. it out. Joe, you like Neil Diamond, right? <laughs> yeah, I like Neil Diamond. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand. I understand how, like, I understand how, like, when you're a kid, I understand how, like, you're, like, 18 years old, you're 20 years old, you're like, I don't like Neil Diamond. That's, like, what my grandparents listened to. You know what I mean? But then once you get to be, like, you know, an old geezer like myself, you're like, that's what my grandparents used to listen to. Oh, yeah. And then you listen to it. You know what I mean? It's not like doo-wop music, which just is inherently bad. You know what I mean? That's rough. Doo-wop, wow. doo-wop music is not inherently bad. Okay, doo-wop music is good yeah. two songs at a time. I'll, I'll give you Two that. songs at a time. A whole album of doo-wop, a whole show of doo-wop. I think you listen to bad doo-wop. Okay, give me good doo-wop. I mean, now you're putting me on the spot. Yes, yeah. I am. All right, well, I'll, I'll by, by the end of the show, I'm going to give you a playlist. All right, but a playlist where I want, where, a playlist where I'm like, I've already listened to eight doo-wop songs, and I'm like, I need a ninth. I need a ninth doo-wop song. Yeah, like, do it to me. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give you the deep tracks. Are you? Are you? Is it gonna be all? Hey, Mr. Bassman. I mean, obviously. Yeah. So then I, uh, I was driving to uh, the New Jersey. By the way, for any of you who are in New Jersey, there's a shop in between like New York City and like the uh, the the you know the tunnels and uh, the Delaware Water Gap, where apparently all they sell is chocolate goats, chocolate goats, and the store is called the Chocolate Goat gift shop and I screamed in to the parking lot at like it was a 30 mile an hour road I must have been doing 60 and like like you know drifted into the parking lot and like came to a stop next to like a grandma and a small child who were also trying to make it to the chocolate goat before apparently the hard close at 5pm on a Sunday missed it I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chocolate goat in my whole life not chocolate covered goats let's be clear these are molded chocolates in the form of goats in, to quote the website, various sizes. Right? I mean, that's kind of a can win, right? Can you order it online? Yeah. I don't know. You can? Oh. You can, how do they look, John? I mean, like chocolate, like goats made out of chocolate. Oh, 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 I want you people to know that they're multicolored goats, too. It's not just like it's a little, little bit of a milk chocolate goat, a little bit of a dark chocolate goat. We got the, di- the different kinds of chocolate and the different sizes, seven, four, and one ounce. Okay, listen, I need... I need different kind. Oh, we just got fishbowl by a uh, by a tourist. Uh, by a particularly angsty, uh, you know, teen. Yeah, yeah. This kid, this kid, like had an entire thing of hair gel in his hair to make it look like he had never combed it. He's like, but ma, it looks like I combed it. Get me another jug of hair gel. Go buy it for me at the Dwayne Reed. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's that's our life, people. Anyways. So, uh, what are we talking about? Chocolate goats? Do they have different variety of goat? That's what I want to know. Like, can I get, like, a cashmere? Can I get, like, a, can I get, like, you know, name a different variety of goat? I'm not a goat, a no, goat aficionado. It's just, it's just the one goat. It's always the one goat in various sizes? It looks like it, yeah. Anyway, so I went to go pick up Dax, and this is the, this is the cooking thing. Let's start with the cooking thing. The, the people he had been staying with, his dirtbag buddy Nico, who we've talked about on the show before, uh... So he's at his dirtbag buddy's house in the, you know, over on the Delaware River, and uh, the mom, who wrote a cookbook on soup, Soup Among Friends, they had a soup club, 
And they, every week, one of them would make soup. The four people. One of them would make soup. And then they would distribute said soup to everyone of the four, of the four families. This way, you only have to have that soup one night. Because you make enough soup. Because you don't make, like, no one makes, like, like, you know, soup just for, like, one family. Who the heck makes that? Unless you're doing, like, dashi or something like that. You have to make a big old thing of soup. Am I right? Yeah. 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 So they divvied up this soup in their soup club and then passed the soup out to all the people. And that way, every week, they got a soup. One out of four, they made the soup. And they didn't have the leftovers on the soup. That's not a bad idea. Hmm. No, it's pretty good. If, if, if you have four friends, which I don't. I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, it's like a family plan, uh, you know, for soup. It's like say. it's like a soup CSA. <laughs> yeah. You also get no say in what the other person cooks, right? So you're like, nah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But I think apparently they were all good, good cooks. You know, I don't know. Anyways, so she no shade, but I joined that club with no dietary restrictions. You know, like, oh, ooh, who are you throwing the shade on? Like, uh, like who in particular? Just be explicit. Everyone likes explicit shade. I know that it's not supposed to be explicit. It's supposed to be like you know, it's like some people have legit dietary restrictions. These aren't like randos. It's not like you're going online and you're playing like online poker and you click a a window that says, (laughs) "Would you like to join a soup club?" and you get like randomly assigned somebody's soup. It's like these are your friends. I think I think I'm hearing some shade about Californian uh, dietary restrictions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You might be right. You might be right. Yeah. Okay. Hey. uh, so anyways, so she's growing, she grows a bunch of uh, shiitakes, which she dries, and she dries those rishiri things, which I don't know what to do with because I never figured it out. But she also has all over her property wild chanterelles, and they were in soopy-doopy McDoopy season. So she gave me this big thing of chanterelles, and I went bonkers. And it turns out that before I even knew I was about to get a bunch of chanterelles, I had picked up at DePaulo's. Everyone knows DePaulo's, all the DePaulo's. They, have the ma- they had the magic pork again. They had... The magical pork with the injected fat in it. I put that thing, and this actually answers a question uh, that somebody had. It was Wes Hendrickson wrote in from Patreon. It's like, why do you drop your temperature? So here's how I cooked it on the Sunday that I went uh, to go pick up that. Getting fishbowled again. Different teenage angsty kid? L.A. Different one. No, he's not really from L.A. It's not from L.A. He's faker. He's not, not from L.A. Too new a hat. Yeah, not from L.A. Anyways. You have to watch the Patreon video to know what we're talking about. Uh, so I took the magic pork, and I, I peppered it, but I didn't salt it because I knew I was going to cook it for a long time. And the reason not to salt meat if you're going to cook it for a long time is there's a chance, especially if you're ever going to chill it again, that it'll get a little bit of a cured texture. It also depends on the texture of the meat. So fine textured meats like a ribeye or like a delicious magic pork chop uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of connective tissue in it. And so those are the ones that are more likely to get hardened by salt. Anyways, so choose your maximum temperature. In this case, for pork chops, in my family, they don't like them too pank. They don't like the pork chop to be too pank. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Stas? You, I mean, like I when— don't mind. You don't mind? You like it anyway? Joe, how do you like, how do you like the inside of your pork chop? Medium rare pank. Pank, pank, yeah. But you, you don't like it like red. Yeah. Some people like, I remember the, f- the first time everyone was like, you don't need to cook your pork that much because the trichinosis isn't a thing anymore. And then so like you would get these like hard, rare, that almost look like raw chicken on the inside, pork chops. And you're just like, oh, no. and you're like, you know, the point is, is that like, not appetizing. It's just not appetizing to me. Uh, if you're going to do that with like the super rare pork, you got to go thin on the pork. So there's just the, the finest, <laughs> whiff of that like like chickeny looking pork on the inside and then like a bunch of overcooked crap on the outside to have the nice texture i digress as usual so i put it in i chose 60 uh which is 100 and, uh 140 for you 100 for you fahrenheit heads out there that's the one magic number by the way magic pork magic number you should all remember that 140 is 60 140 60 just remember that peg it my son booker who is uh spends every waking moment now in staten island Collecting Staten Island Railroad cars. There are 61 different cars on the Staten Island Railroad. He has collected, as of yesterday afternoon, 34 of them. I think he likes it because the Staten Island Ferry is free, and for some reason, even though we pay for everything that he does, he still loves to hunt for bargains, except for with sushi. 
Strange. Anyway, so I put it in at 60 degrees uh, Celsius, which is 140 Fahrenheit. And you want to put it in at the high temperature just enough to get up to the temperature it's cooking. Now, here's the point, And I'm literally writing about this right now in, in the book, which, by the way, Stas, you'll be pleased to know, I handed in a chapter to the editor and I started handing in photos. to. Uh, so it's like it's real oh, now. Oh, so wow. we can go to Disneyland. Uh, once it's done. Once it's done, once I hand in the whole Megillah, and it's like a huge weight off of my shoulders, and I have a different weight piled on my shoulder, like, you know. Disneyland. Disneyland. Anyways, so you want it to cook just through to the temperature because the the doneness, the proper doneness texture that we're used to getting to off of a temperature happens very, very quickly after you reach a temperature, right? The problem with proteins uh, in meats is that as they ride at that temperature, they get firmer and firmer, right? So... What happens is if you leave it at your final cook temp for infinity, right, it will get the texture of like maybe a degree or two higher as it cooks for hours. So in general, I try to aim so that I just attain the internal temperature that I want, just, right? And then I drop it by at least, at least three degrees. So if I'm doing a steak, I usually want it to hit just at like 54 or 55, which is... What is that? That's 120-something. You know what I mean? Like just hit 54, 55, and then I'll immediately drop it to 52, which is about the minimum you can hold. Listen, do not start cooking anything at 52 degrees Celsius. It's not hot enough, and it's not fast enough to guarantee you're going to kill everything in a timely fashion. So I think that's what happens when a lot of people get blow-off bags and stuff like that. But if you're starting at – it's actually optimal to start at 57 or 55 and then immediately after you put it in, before it can cook through, drop the temperature down to your internals just to get a little bit of a, a jump start on killing the crap on the outside. Anyway, again, I digress. So you have it drop down. So in the case of this pork, I dropped it down to uh, 54 degrees because that's entirely safe, entirely good. I dropped it from 60 to 54 after an hour. And then I let it ride for like seven hours while I was going to pick up Dax and do all my other stuff. And then uh, I got back, threw a couple ice cubes in, which is the fastest way to drop a circulator temperature, just throw some ice cubes in, actually, like, put the brakes on it. Because what, what we're going to do is drop the temperature of the pork chop to 50 Celsius now. And the reason we're doing that is so that we don't get any overcook on the, um, on the sear as it comes out, right? Uh, and in fact, uh, it's interesting if you look at um, physics modeling of what happens with meat, if you have even just – if you – if you plunge it into something cold or drop the temperature even a little bit below what you want, it'll lower the temperature on the inside a lot faster. So I threw some ice cubes into the bucket, took it down to about 45, let the circulator come back up to 50, equilibrate at 50, sear it off. Can I even say what I used to sear it off? Or not? I can't, right, Stas? No, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you don't? No. Why? Wow. Why can't we talk about it? Because then we're going to get all our nerds that are like, what? Okay. I I, I seared it off in fine style, and it was uh, delicious. It was, uh, so yeah, magic pork and chanterelles. I mean, it's hard to beat that. So, Dave, would you say that the summation of that last five-minute story was simply drop it like it's hot? (laughs) Drop it like it's hot. Yeah, well, you know, when the, the, yeah, yeah. When the the texture's getting a little too firm, drop it like it's hot. And and also, just to bring it back to the beginning, uh, apparently the chanterelles are a uh, doo-wop band. Out of New Orleans. <laughs> That's true. Mm, yeah, that's that true. Is true. Yeah. yeah. Chanterelle, uh, John and I were talking about this yesterday. So in the pantheon of tasty mushrooms, I think chanterelles are like right up there. I think they really are. You know what I mean? I'm writing a mushroom section, but I'm not even going to write uh, recipes for chanterelles. You know why? Because you should just cook them. You should just cook them as simply as possible and eat them. Because unless you're, you know, intensely rich, you should just... Someone hands you a bunch of uh, chanterelles, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to cook those and eat them to highlight the chanterelle taste. I'm not going to stuff it inside of something else and then stuff that into something else and then pour goop all over it. I just want to taste the chanterelles. And we were talking. Let's go around the room. Chanterelles or morels? What's, what's, what, which, which, you choose one. Which one's reign supreme between chanterelle and morel around the room? I'm going chanterelle. Yeah? Chanterelle. Chanterelle. Joe? Chanterelle. Really? Yeah. John and I had the same feeling yesterday. And what about you, Jackie? You're not a mushroom head? What are you? You silent over there? You got some yeah. Oh, yeah. Little, little Mr. No Dietary Restriction doesn't have an opinion on Chanterelle versus Morel? Anyway, 
I think Morel. I'm Chanterelle. No, yeah. I, I, I said Chanterelle. I like a Morel, but uh, yeah, I would always choose Chanterelle. Now, here's the one. Chanterelle, fresh porcini. I don't cook a lot with fresh porcinis because, again, I am not constructed out of gold bricks. But, like, <laughs> what, are, what are your feelings? Still Chanterelle for me. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I'm switching to porcini. Ooh, porcini. Is that the Italian uh, section you does? Yeah. What if you have to sit with an Italian who talks about food while you eat the porcinis? <laughs> no, that's Chanterelle. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. Joe, you, uh, you, got a, you got a opinion on this guy? Mm, what about Hen of the Woods? Hen of the Woods, great mushroom. A little, like, it's a great mushroom. Yeah, a great mushroom. I just, I mean, like, of the, I was also talking to John about this yesterday. It's like, I find that it is a great mushroom. I think it's a good value because it's not as expensive. Although, you know, John tells me that they're almost expensive as, as expensive now as a, as a Chanterelle is. I don't know. You know what I like about yeah. a hen, hen of the Woods? In order for a hen of the woods to live, a tree's got to be dying. I love that. So what's the difference between the hen of the woods and the chicken of the woods? Oh, you know, they're different. They are different. Yeah. I don't know. I know chicken of the sea. Right. Yeah. Sunkissed? Starkist? Uh, Starkist, yeah. Star- uh, is it Starkist? Yeah. Starkist. 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 With Charlie the Tuna? That is correct. You look kind of like Charlie the Tuna, Phil. You're welcome. <laughs> what the yeah. It's the glasses. I get that a lot. It's the yeah. glasses, I think. If you have a large smile and, my and it's the glasses. Smile. Yeah, 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 yeah. You look a lot like Charlie the Tuna. Yeah, Joe, what exactly. do you think? Charlie the Tuna over here? Definitely Charlie the Tuna. <laughs> yeah. 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 He needs that little. Doesn't doesn't Charlie the Tuna have something red? Yeah, red cap. Bandana or cap. Yeah. 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 He's kind of like a like a beatnik, right? He's kind of like a beatnik tuna. Oh, he's got the glasses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In my memory, he does. In my memory too. Yeah. He's yeah. from South Korea. Charlie the Tuna is from South Korea. Mm-hmm. What? For real? Like the character Charlie the Tuna. The backstory of Charlie the Tuna is that he's from South Korea. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you got to understand. He's a beatnik. Dude lives in the ocean. So it's kind of hard to say. Like, I'm pretty sure he lives in the international waters. So, like, how do you, <laughs> where exactly in South Korea is Charlie the Tuna chilling? You know, like looking at that hook uh, and being like, nah. Sarkis is, no, I don't think he's South Korean. I mean, it's currently owned by, by a, a South Korean conglomerate. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he he look. He plays for South Korea in the Olympics for sure. You know what I mean? But yes. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say he's from Chicago. The guy who made him is from uh, Leo Burnett Worldwide, which is an ad company in Chicago. Catch so, a catch a catch a lot of big out. catch a lot of big tuna in Lake Michigan. Do you? <laughs> do you? Anyway, I'm talking about the character's <laughs> backstory. Uh, the character's backstory. Speaking of Olympics, you guys watch any of this stuff? No, I hate the Olympics. That doesn't mean... Who hates the Olympics? Nastasia. Nastasia. Because people care about it. But people don't care about it anymore, so you can like it now. That's not why I hate it. Are you upset about nationalism? Okay, listen, listen. Uh, Did I I talk about this last week or did I forget? Oh, I like how you can't even remember. Well, I don't know what you're going to talk about, but probably... Did we we talk about the Olympics last week? Uh, Yeah. We didn't. You just made that up. He's like, what was I texting about? (laughs) What was I texting? What was I texting? Anyway, the... um, Remember, people can see you now. Anyway, the, the whole point is... Jen's, uh, Jen's employee's, like, boyfriend is an Olympic fencer, right? So now fencing, as you probably know, divides into foil where you, you, you stab him, right? It has to be stabbed in the main chest area. Epe, which is a stiffer blade, and you can just hit him anywhere, right? And saber, where I think where you just beat the crap out of people, right? Isn't that how it works, basically? It's waist up, but you can hit them, but yeah, it's, like, more slashing, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I did not know this, but... In fencing, men's and women's, you are encouraged to scream at the top of your lungs, but not while it's happening. So you'll sit there and it's like silent, tink 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 tink, and then like their helmets will light up. There'll be a like two second pause, and then someone will do like an Astacia Lopez anger class primal scream, like, and then. Back to composed. Ding, 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 ding. It's the weirdest, like, oral thing I've heard in a long time. So I recommend looking at it. And I recommend looking at the trampoline because it's bananas. Have you seen these trampoliners? No. They go, like, 30 feet high. They're, like, jumping on trampolines 30 feet high. It's bananas. Anyways, that's all for the Olympics. Let's get to some cooking. All right. So uh, Wes Hendrickson had uh, another question. Uh, He said... 
something we should do on the show is an, is a dish to cook this week. So we should come up with an idea. What do you guys think of this? We come up with an idea, and then we challenge. I think this is what he means. We challenge our cooking issues listeners to make it, and then they can come back and maybe tell us how it worked out. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. It also sounds like he's just asking for what you do on the on the weekly basis. And I have a bone so to pick with that. Wes from last summer. So, oh, what's the bone to pick? I'm not going to bring it up again. Again? Mm-hmm. Okay. You actually just did bring it up. I know, but uh, I, will not, I will not participate in this because of you that. literally caused it. Oh, oh, oh! But this is for the whole everyone. This is an idea that everyone can participate in, not just Wes. That apparently you have a bone to pick with. Mm. All right. Wait, John, did you get your sixth floor walk-up? No, thankfully. <laughs> wow, Stas just pulling out the paint. Stas is like, <laughs> Stas is like, I brought something up. I wish I hadn't because then, like, it was uncomfortable. So I'm going to make John feel uncomfortable. Like, like no, no, no. <laughs> it's not uncomfortable. Yeah. J- John was looking at getting an apartment here in New York City. For those of you that haven't had the pleasure of shopping around, in quotes, for a New York City apartment— <sighs> No offense to the brokers out there. I don't really understand why you still have to pay brokers fees in Manhattan because all the apartments are online. John's like, I'm looking at an apartment. It's a six-story walk-up. So I didn't even think that was possible. It's like, I, I thought it was against code. It is illegal for new construction. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a lovely pre-war building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> do you know what's funny? It's quaint. What's funny about New York codes, by the way, is that, like, literally architects are like, what code are we going to file this under? You know what I mean? They're like, well, there's no way we're going to get up to the current code, so we're going to file it under the 1933 code. You know what I mean? So they file under these old codes because buildings are, like, grandfathered in. So anyway, so I'm like, John, Nastasi and I the entire time stood about two steps behind John. John. We made John carry. He's carrying all this crap. I don't even know what crap you had, but it looked like he was carrying, like— And he didn't want us near him, and he wouldn't let us go up. With him. But we dogged him. The entire way, we dogged him, and we were, like, just cracking wise. We're like, we're like, John, maybe you should go have a couple of beers first, and then walk up. And then we're like, hey, hand me your credit card, hand me your keys, walk all the way up, remember you forgot them, come back, and then go back up again. Because the six-floor walk-up is just brutal. Like, seeing a six-floor walk-up, seeing a six-floor walk-up at, like, 1 p.m. on a Tuesday does not indicate what it's like to live in a six-floor walk-up. We're like, listen, why don't you go to the grocery store, John? Get, like, all your groceries. Have them, like, have them either have the rolly cart and be like, boom, 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 Or just carry, like, all six bags in your arms. Be like, ah! Have people try to get past you on the stairs. Have the milk jug go, all the way down the stairs. Because that's what it's like. Keeping in mind, when I met Nastasia, she was in a fifth-floor walk-up. So this is all just self-loading. 22. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. that it was Dave and I that had to get, like, can you get this asbestos fireplace oh, that's geez. gigantic up the stairs that doesn't fit? <laughs> this is all just, you know. Oh, my God. Nastasia was the queen of encouragement. By the way, and here's what's messed up. Like, we weren't even really friends yet. Yes, I was we her were. boss. I was her boss. No, I think we bonded through, you know, shared pain. She Okay, here's another thing about Nastasia Lopez. She'll get you to move her crap out of her fifth-story walk-up, and she does not have the common human decency to take the drawers out of her dressers before you move them or to take the clothing oh, out she put of the extra, She put extra things in the drawers because she's like, I just want to make it less of a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was, it was like, like, I've moved her several times. Was that the one that also Cliff was in on? I think so. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, don't, you, you haven't lived until you see me mad in a move, by the way. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, yeah. Hey, guys. I got a... Uh question of if you guys are interested in moving into the infomercial space now that Ron Popeil has departed. Wait, he died when? Departed the planet. When did he die? Last week. Oh my god, Last Ron Popeil. Yeah. Ron Comatic. Ah. Hmm. Yeah, so I thought Inventor I thought of the Rotobroil. Moment of silence. Were there Well, the the interesting thing the Rotobroil is was was not Popeil. It was hmm. Leon Klinghoffer who that Leon Klinghoffer, <laughs> the one that was thrown off the cruise ship so everything everything else i think is is, is popiel yeah, that you know but that yeah. one is actually klinghoffer yeah. bizarrely enough that's so it i thought it was, it was it might be noteworthy to note uh popiel's passing and just curious when there's going to be some uh infomercials well, issued on on behalf of booker and dax the, the thing about infomercials is this we need to have products like, we have products. Like, the thing is is that we, we actually have products. It's just 
trying to get them made. I mean, look, we have to do serious sales pitches, but I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to us doing like dumb infomercials as well. I know Nastasia likes a dumb infomercial. Yeah. I just want to see you. Can you like? Can you sponsor uh, like knives? But just like you'll get this nine foot katana blade, and also this. You know, only if we reenact the Odell, we're gonna need emergency <laughs> surgery in the studio. <laughs> oh, that got me. Oh, that got me real good. Uh, oh, that's so good. I think we're gonna need some. Well, I uh, think that there's there, there's there's clearly a cooking issues Tim and Eric uh, collaboration. <laughs> For this, that well, I think would, yeah. would, would would be really, really, really excellent and insane. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I don't know whether we could get uh, Tim on. I don't know if he's a food guy, but Eric's a food guy. Maybe we can get Eric on. Yeah, he's... yeah, food and wine, food and beverage person. Yeah, yeah. I, I, at the very I, I least, actual... Dave, we should. Uh, I was going to say, at the very least, Dave, we should commit to cutting one of these uh, infomercials for the podcast. That's something I can put together. Well, we okay. We did an infomercial for, and someone actually wrote in. They they tried it. We did an in, infomercial for a beverage uh, called uh, Muñeca. Oh yeah, Muñeca. And uh, sorry, a little about the saturating the mic uh, there, Joe. But uh, Clayton Patterson wrote in. So the idea of Muñeca was it was close to the beginning of the pandemic when we hadn't yet been accustomed to mask breath, to tasting ourselves on our masks. And uh, so the idea is, is that you're supposed to walk around. Yeah, you're supposed to walk on. He just did a, a spinal tap, sniff the mask. Uh, the, you're supposed to walk around with airline bottles of uh, rumple mints and, uh, and lime wedges. And so what happens is when you get home, you peel off the mask, you pound the airline bottle of rumple mints, and then to wash the rumple mints out, you chew up a whole lime wedge, including the peel, and the oils will wipe out your sense of taste for a good 20 minutes. I can tell you this for sure, because this is what I used to do at the bar all the time. But your mouth is clean. Clean. Why don't you just brush your teeth, Dave? Brushing your teeth. I got to walk all the way to the back of the house. Uh, you know, I got one of those sonic hairs. I got the rumple mitts right here. I got though. the rumple mitts right that's here. At the front door. Yeah. And plus, you know, like, like, like today, they turned my water off. Today, my water got turned off. What are you going to do? Right? What are you going to do? So it's, uh, you know, muñeca. Muñeca! <laughs> and so, like, you just have it. And that's, so that's what you did this morning? <laughs> muñeca! Yeah. Made the bike ride real fun. So, like, what you do is, is you have, like, you have a coat. And then you have, like, you know, one of those, like, you know how, like, uh, people used to sell watches? Mm-hmm. You just have your muñeca shots lined up in the inside of your coat, and uh, and you're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Muñeca! Are any Ronco products actually, actually good? Yes. I think that... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't buy that kind of stuff, but I think, I mean, like... Was Ronco the, like, the dehydrator? Like, that, was that, or was that somebody else? Ronco people did a bunch of stuff, not just in the kitchen space, just, like, a bunch of, like you know, gadgets that you may or may not ever need. You know what I mean? But, like, I didn't know he died. So, like, his passing is, like, on the order of Billy Mays passing. You know? Billy Mays, God rest his soul, like, blew up his head with cocaine. You know what I mean? But, like, there is, like... I mean, isn't that what happened? Didn't his head explode because he took too much cocaine and his heart burst a blood vessel in his head? And, and wasn't that what happened? In absence of any other data, I have to just trust you that that's exactly what happened. I mean, he was one of the greatest pitch people ever, right? Billy Mays for Mighty Putty. I mean, like, <laughs> that man could sell Mighty Putty. Like, I don't even need Putty Mighty. Okay, here's my question. It's not a cooking-related question, but let's go around here. Flex Seal guy or Billy Mays? Flex Seal. You're a Flex Seal lady? Ooh. I have to go Billy Mays because I don't have Flex Seal in my head. There's a lot of useless information in there oh, and a lot of late-night TV. But. Flex Seal, do you, I can't really do a good Pennsylvania accent, and so he's like, he's got like a, a hardcore, like, like Pennsylvania, you know, water kind of accent. He's like, you know, uh, he'll, he takes a cannon, fires a cannon through like a flat bottom like a Johnny boat, and then he seals it. <laughs> And I forget how, why he says it, but he says something about water. And he's like, and he's like sealed up on Flex Seal, or he'll like take a Flex Seal patch and like have a giant fish tank with a hole cut in it, and then just like slap some f- Flex Seal on the side yeah. of the on the side of the fish tank. Oh, Phil this Cash. is the guy who does the roofing stuff. It, he, it, he'll seal anything, anything, Joe, with Flex Seal. He'll, anything, man. <laughs> anything. He, he's like in a boat with. He's in a boat with like you know the a screen door bottom, right? He's sitting on the Flex Seal. Dude, dude, amazing. dude took, I think, like, a car. I want to say he took a car, coated the entire underside of it with Flex Seal, and then just, like, floated it <laughs> in some random 
sorry, some random creek in like in uh, in, in in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, Flex Seal. I mean, gets a lot of negative reviews yeah, on the internet. Flex Seal, but I mean, um, Billy Mays though didn't just have Mighty Putty. Billy Mays was the original OxyClean pitch. Yep. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm still just, I, I like the idea that uh, the Flex Seal commercials was where Kate Winslet did her, like, uh, you know, accent study for Mary Town. <laughs> is that really true? Uh, <laughs> in absence of any other data, I'm going to say yes. She is, she, is, <laughs> she is great in that. That is a great show. You do not, you know. Oh, don't sleep on that show. First a, episode, eh, very sad, but then, ooh, I have good. not found a show that I love, that I love the first episode of. Most shows take a, like a while to get into, except for Girls 5 Eva, which is good from the jump. You guys got to watch Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva. <laughs> Girls 5 Eva, if you have any relation to like kind of – it's like New York scene, but like it's about like a, a girl band that had one hit in the 90s and then gets brought back because a rapper samples their song and then like they try to get back together. It's like – is this a British show? No, it's uh, the exec producer is uh, Tina Fey. Oh, all right. And um, what's her name? Something Scardino is the showrunner. Yeah, it's good. It's got Paula Pell. Everyone loves Paula Pell. Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, it's good business. You should watch that stuff, you know? Because I can't watch, because Dax is not around, so I can't watch the second season of Ted Lasso yet, which is... Is it out? Yes. Is it out? Where do you live? I'm, Don't they have the internet in California? I've been in a, I've been in a camp with a hundred like teenagers oh, for two sh- weeks. Oh my god! Yeah, eating this, cafeteria. This food. is why Phil was coming on to talk about cafeteria food. And yeah. are you teaching them recorder in the real life? It was it was real instruments. It was good good old fashioned. So you violins. admit you admit that the recorder is not a real instrument. The Dutch are going to be very upset with you. The Dutch they're so tall. They don't even get oxygen to their brains because <laughs> they're so tall. You know what I mean? What do they know? You know, well, oh, we have nice houses and we're tall. Small amount of oxygen, so they have to play these little flutes. We're an attractive people. Here's a recorder. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, what are you here to talk about before I uh, do the next Patreon question? I said Sloppy Joe's, uh, cafeteria food, and using the Bank of Idaho code for your Hertz deals. Oh, those are my, bu- those are my bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's my question on Sloppy Joe's. Let's go around the room before we start. Who here grew up eating Sloppy Joe's? I'm raising my hand. Yeah, yeah. I grew up eating yeah. Sloppy Joe's. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jackie, Jackie Molecules? Yes, yeah? yes, yeah. yes, of course, of course. I didn't. Joe, nice. Did not. Okay, so <laughs> is it that they didn't serve them at your school, or did you shun them? Uh, I didn't, we didn't, yeah, the school, I can't really fully remember, I brought my lunch every day. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't think yeah. I brought my lunch once really? in like 12 yeah. years of school. Every oh day. God. I, think, I don't think I had a sloppy Joe until I was probably in high school. Mm. That's too late. Yeah, it was very late. Because if, the thing is, if you have a sloppy Joe that late in your life, you realize that it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Tell my, yep. my, my, my past self that. Yeah. Let, let me ask you a question. So, so who here thinks that they're – like I have a, a, a – I like it. Like it's a soft, crappy bun. For those of you that don't know, it's like instead of chili ketchup – like ground meat, it's like it's like a cross between a meatloaf and a chili. But it's like a hamburger helper, right? Like it's like. Oh my god! Don't get that song in my head, <laughs> Phil. Here to help. Ah, hamburger helper, helper, hamburger helper, make the great meal. Anyway, like <laughs> the worst, the worst jingle, because it's the most sexist and dumb and crazy. And like she's just waiting for this hand to pop out of the box and I mean, help her. Was there a jingle for Manwich? Because I feel like that might <laughs> might be worse. Oh my god. Someone out there, please, write us the Manwich jingle. Manwich <laughs> being the brand name of Sloppy Joe, because apparently... It's like the Jello apparently, of Sloppy Joe's. Apparently women are too smart to eat this stuff and so like, you know... So, but here's my... So Dave, this is the thing I noticed in in... in Two weeks of cafeteria food. So there's Sloppy Joe uh-huh. in, like, one of the early days. How are the kids eating it? Um, are they picking it up like a I, chump, I or are they knife and forking this thing like Bill de Blasio? I mean, kind of, like, tentatively, I guess, would be the answer to how they are they eating it. They can't be picked up. Yeah. But well, they're I, picking I, it I up. Say, I, look, I've, I've never said anything nice about Bill de Blasio in my life. Go knife and fork on the, on the Sloppy Joe. <laughs> Just go knife and fork on the Sloppy Joe. But do you know, like, do you remember, like, in elementary school when you learn about, like, precipitation and then it, and then the rain evaporates and then there's the cycle, like the water cycle. Watching the Sloppy Joe go from, like, day one was Sloppy Joe's. Day two was, like, chili cheese dogs. 
And day three, just the pasta sauce suddenly got a little thicker. And it's like all of these, it is like a life cycle of uh, ground beef over like five days. It's a circle of beef. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, uh, by the way, I didn't mean to get political there. I have nothing against Bill de Blasio. It's Jesus. just everyone in New York knows he's a clown. That's all I'm going to say. Right, guys, New Yorkers, it's not that we're against him. It's just clown, right? No? Clown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Took me a while to find the thought. Yeah, plan. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. You know, it's, it's fine. It's good. It's all good. Anyway. Uh, so uh, my I'll, favorite part of leaving New York is I don't have to have an opinion on Bill de Blasio. Mm. Amazing. Yeah, yeah but th- th- everyone has the same opinion. Did you vote for him? Yep. What do you think about him? Clown. <laughs> like, everyone has the same exact opinion. Anyway. He just uh, announced he the that uh, plans to require proof of vaccination to, for indoor dining. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah. And we'll see how it works. Uh, the, you know, right? Like, that's, 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 we'll see how it shakes yeah. down. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story about that, uh, about the, your uh, circle of beef. So I am related by marriage to Lizzie Borden, the, the lady what took an axe and gave her father 40 wax. And Ooh. when she saw what she had done, How? she gave her father 41. How? And I just like where we're going from a little girl with an axe to Sloppy Joe's. Sloppy Joe. <laughs> like. So the, the, oh my God. But how? I know why. Because you didn't like Sloppy Joe's, Joe, because your name was Joe. And you're like, I'm not sloppy because you're not a sloppy guy. That's what Ooh. happened. Oh, I didn't, didn't think about that. I thought, I thought Sloppy Joe was a Hormel. Or is that different? Well, uh, Hormel might make the manwich. Okay. I don't know. Which is which is everybody's brand name of choice for Sloppy Joe's. Anyway. Wait, so, how are you related to her? So the oldest the oldest person that I ever is that true? Yes. The oldest person I've ever met who was born in the early eighteen eighties. I met him when he was a hundred, was my great great uncle Mark. He stayed alive just because I said Grandma, I wish I could meet Uncle Mark before he dies. And because he was about to, I didn't talk like that because I was a small child. Anyway, and then, uh, and, you know, whatever, whatever. I lived in Jersey. Anyway, point is, he, like, stayed alive. You know how people do that? He's like, he was like, they were like, he's going to die any day now. And my grandma and grandpa were like, oh, Dave's coming up. He's going to, you know, he'll be up here in like a month. He lived a month so I could go see him and then (laughs) died. Anyway, he married Lizzie Borden's. Uh, cousin, and he had met Lizzie Borden. Whoa. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he was there, like totally semi zoned out, right? You know, 100, like laying in a bed. This is like, you know, 19, like, you know, 82 or something like this. And I'm like, Uncle Mark, Lizzie Borden. He just goes, She totally did it, <laughs> but the bastard deserved it. Wow. And that was it because. And this is where I get back to Sloppy died? Joe's. That was the last, those no, no, were he, last words. He, he had the courtesy to stay alive while I was in the room. The, the story was is that one of the things that he would do is this guy was Borden, was from Borden, Borden family. He was rich, but he was so cheap that he would make them eat the same lamb, and we're tying it back to soup, the same lamb soup mm. every day for like a week. It would get moldy on the top. He would make them scrape the mold off of it and eat the, the, the moldy lamb soup. That... Plus the, I think, I don't know whether her original mom died, but there was a, there was a kind of a stepmom situation going on with the moldy lamb soup. The guy was a, a, apparently hated skin flint. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he was like, she did that. She did that stuff. Yeah. If only he had uh, gotten together four families to eat soup on one weekend. Could yeah. have all been avoided. Could have been avoided. If only, you know, Lizzie Borden's dad, whose name escapes me, had been smart enough to start a soup club and I, where is it, Fall River or Four River, Massachusetts, wherever they were, like, if, if he'd only been smart enough to start a soup club, he might have died only a long time ago instead of a, a long, long time ago. Yeah. At this point, they'd all be dead anyway. Doesn't really matter. And this has been your commercial for Manwich. Manwich. Oh, my God. We should do a Lizzie Borden Manwich. Man, this is gruesome. What, you're looking up the Lizzie Borden pictures? No, not the pictures, just the... Were there pictures? I don't think there are. There there, there, are pictures. It's the dad on the couch. (laughs) It's gross. It's one of those things. If you grew up in the 80s, right? If you grew up in the 80s, cable... No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You were younger. You were too young. My age. Okay, I'm not your age, but I still grew up in the 80s. But, like, they, they, they... they needed to fill cable, so they had like eighteen thousand. They hadn't figured out everything yet, so there was eighteen thousand documentaries on things like Lizzie Borden, and it's all with the same three public domain photos, and then like a bunch of like imagine if Ken Burns really sucked, 
it's like all of that kind of documentary with like and, and, and they hadn't even yet figured out the Ken Burns that you can like pan on the photo. So it's just like a still image of like real grainy picture that they took off of a newspaper of like dead Borden dude. So basically like 90% of the History Channel uh you know. the, the History Channel, when it started, was only Hitler films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and we used to call it the Hitler Channel. <laughs> and it was only, like, yeah, it was just newsreels of, like, Hitler, you know, I- invading and, and getting beaten back and winning. That's all it was, Hitler Channel. Which is Channel. basically the entire documentary section of Netflix. Really? Yeah. It's all, yeah? Yeah. It's true. Yeah, okay. Sorry, we've taken a left turn here. <laughs> okay. But you know what I used to watch? The documentaries I used to watch were the uh, World War One documentaries. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. No. Not going to get into no. it. No. Not going to get into it. Uh, so, John, what we're going to say to, uh, to, to, so Dustin Meldrum has this, this idea of getting Michigan dogs and then doing a Connecticut, Michigan dog off. But the, the thing is, we're going to have to do maybe like a cookout at Nastasia's at some that point. We're going to talk about this after the show. We'll talk about whether we could do it for the show, after the show. And I wasn't bringing that up or putting Joe on the spot, but... You can because you just did. But the uh, – anyway, so like uh, we'll, we'll – John, Dustin, Dustin, John will be a, a, in touch with you. And yeah, yes, trying to think totally, the, through the logistics first. We're trying to think, we, we totally want the, the pawpaws though because I've never, yeah. I've never had one. Neither have I. I hear that – you know what's coming out, guys? I think you – actually, you guys missed it. The mayapple. If any of you have mayapples growing in your gardens, they have a very distinctive leaf. They are poisonous, right? But you'll – in the it's – I think we missed them already. I think it, we're about a month late. But for next year, think about it. They, there's these little green balls that grow on them. And then those green balls, they go from like over the course of a couple of days, they go from green to yellow. And when they go yellow and start getting soft, they taste tropical even though – oh, by the way, the seeds are poisonous. And the entire plant other than the ripe fruit is poisonous, like poison poison, like not cool to eat, like poisonous. And the other problem is, is that when you harvest, if you, do, if you wait for them to turn yellow, you're not the only person looking for them. Every rodent that lives outside, every vole, every chipmunk, every squirrel is like, that tastes delicious. And so they eat them instantly. So you have to pick them a little, little green, right, little green, take them inside. They are a climacteric fruit, so they will ripen on your counter. Let them ripen up. Press the fruit out. Don't eat the seeds, although I hear the seeds aren't as poisonous and ripe. But anyway, that makes a delicious jelly. I'm maybe too late for this year, and I apologize, but for next year, if you live in a temperate zone and you want a tropical flavor, get you some mayapples. I like that your go-to rodent is a vole. That's where you started. Started with vole? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to go in reverse alphabetical order, right? Uh, always. As a guy whose name starts with A, I mean, you, you're pretty early with a B. With a B. Yeah. It's like sometimes we want the alphabet to go the other way. That's true, especially in terms of rodents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Although, what's a, what's an A rodent? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, all right. John Dunn wrote in. Hey, cooking issues people. I recently purchased a speedini maker. Speedini is a fun word. No. Mm-hmm. Speedini. Did you? Yeah. Look? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> he acts like yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just very near and dear to me. Spadini was like something that my, uh, it, was a, it was like a family dish. I mean, spadini doesn't really mean, it's not a dish, but that's why grandma called this thing she made. So yeah. I had a reaction there to the word spadini. I'm sorry. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I really do. I think, I think we all do. Anyway, so uh, John purchased a spadini maker from Concilio's Kitchenware. All right? Concilio's Kitchenware. Uh, it's $109, by the way. I looked it up. So let me tell you what happens to it. Here's what it is. First of all, it is a freaking – I watched the video. I watched the, the, the lady make the, make the meat. So for those of you that don't know, these are those like – these like long like Italian kebabs that are cut as squares. But instead of it just being a long square of meat, it's like layers of meat. But the entire meat is cut into squares. So it's kind of like having your own little mini al pastore unit. You know what I'm saying? It's like flap of meat, like with a, with a skewer. Th- All right. And then you cook them on those. Uh, what, are those what are those grilly things called that you cook them on, Stas? You remember? Nah, I don't remember. Anyway. Mark you, had one, yeah. They, but they're, 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 they cook really quickly because they're, they're only like, you know, uh, they're like less than a half an inch on a side. They're like, you know, 10, 10 millimeters on a side. Anyways. So this thing makes 100 of them. So you have to be like, I don't want like five or six. I want like 100. So the video is this lady pounding out the meat, 
then layering the meat into this giant meat cube. It's a huge meat cube, right? Then putting a, like, a, like a, a lid on the meat cube, and the lid has 100 holes in it. Then she has to take a metal skewer and jam it into each one of the 100 holes. Then take the wooden skewers that she soaked for an hour, and she has a special like speedini soaking bucket, and then like places them in. Then takes her special speedini knife because it's got like it's got like slots cut in the side. So it's like, can you imagine? Can you see what I'm saying? The side of the cube has like slots, so you could jam the speedini knife through it. You with me on this? So she jams the knife through and then cuts it. So now you have an entirely speedini-fied meat flap magilla, and then another thing to like plunger it off. So. It, the video was like a minute and a half. I'm sure that took like an hour and a half. I'm sure it took like an hour and a half. We had one. How long did it take you to fill it? Long time. Like an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. No. Like an hour? Like 45 minutes. 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. Mm. Did you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Did you ever put any non-standard things into it? No. Mm. Okay. That sounds about right. Because uh, <laughs> anyway, so like if you have a hundred, how many of those do you think any average person needs? Five? Yeah. Right. So you need 20 people to come over. Right. Or I guess you could freeze them. Yeah. I guess you could freeze them. Yeah. Uh, so that's what that's what happened. Oh, there you go. It's basically a metal cube you fill with layered meat. Traditionally, goat. I love goat. I like to eat goat. You guys like to eat goat? Not really. Really? Yeah. Why not? Why do you not like to eat goat? The Mentally? Smell. No. Just the smell of goat is not. So the smell of a live goat it, it imprints your mind so that when you have the meat, you don't want it? No, the smell of the meat. It's, oh. it's gamey, goat, but yeah. it's tasty. It's no chocolate goat. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> no chocolate goat. I, I must. I, I will say again, that store does not sell chocolate-covered goat. It sells chocolate in the shape of goats. Um, I like goat meat, but goat meat used to be really cheap. It's not cheap anymore. It used to be so cheap. I used to, you know, I told you, I used to do racks of goat. You know, like rack a goat. If you have a butcher that was that used to do whole goat, like do whole goat stuff, most of the meat was just cut up into stew meat. And you could get a rack of goat for almost nothing back in the in the nineties, you know. Back in the nineties, rack of goat was what you got. And by the way, just flannel and goat, what the nineties were known for. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, we're all listening to Fugazi and you know frying racks of goat. Mm-hmm. You know, you deep fry a rack of goat, right? So you do like a quick low temp, and then you throw you throw the entire rack into a deep fryer, right? And then you 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 wash off the l- small layer of uh, fry oil with like a stock or even like it doesn't even have to be stock to be honest. You could cheat. You could do like you could do water. I've done tests. So um, Tim Robinson and I think you should leave season, season two. Okay, has a skit called Sloppy Steaks, where they go they they grease their hair back and they go to restaurants and they order steak and then they pour water all over the steak at the table. He doesn't know it's actually a good cooking technique because if you deep fry something like a rack or a rib roast, you get an amazing crust around the outside, but you get a little bit of that oil flavor from the fryer that doesn't taste like meat oil. It tastes like fry oil. It's off-putting. You just rinse that stuff off. You go sloppy steak on that thing, and oh, my goodness, it is genius, and you get a real nice crust around it. Just saying. That was a secret just between me and anyone else listening. All right. So uh, traditionally with goat. I've done it with lamb with great results. Well, because lamb is like lamb is like goat's less evil cousin. Like a lamb is like my eyeballs, like my pupils don't go the wrong way, so I'm not evil. So, so goats are just a more evil lamb. Uh, yeah. Like the pupil in a goat, it was designed by the devil. There's a reason <laughs> why, like, like the goat and the devil are linked, like in you know symbolism. It's the gamey flavor. I mean, if you look in a goat's eye and you're not afraid, there is something wrong with you. Goats are frightening. I mean, they're not like geese. They're not like inherently mean. The only animal that ever headbutted, the only animal, which I hate to say it, on its way to slaughter that, you know, my my stepfather's father was a butcher that, okay, so he used to go get the animals for butchery like in New Hampshire, take them down into Boston where they would slaughter them for the butcher shop. People, don't get bent at me. This is what happens when you eat meat. The animal has to get slaughtered. Somebody has to do it, right? You know, you, you can't pretend that that's not what's happening with your meat, so I don't want to hear about it. So they would get the, 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 the you know, the stuff, and so my stepfather shows up. And is like, oh, a goat, and the goat goes, boom, and just like headbutts him and like sends him flying. Like I imagine like, you know, my stepfather, a small boy, just being like, boom. 
and to this day, he raised me knowing that goats were the devil. <laughs> <laughs> with those little, with those little horns that are curved just enough to like pow to get you like you know get you going. You know what I mean? I mean, in the goat's defense, he was about to be slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, he kind of had a point. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm not just say- take it, goat. Is the. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't, this is, first of all, it's not like this wasn't like assembly line slaughter. Like they would go with their canvas truck, like pick out some, you know. This was like nineteen, you know, late fifties, like early sixties, like old school butchery. So like, you know, it wasn't like you know, you know, heads off, like you know, or like you know, Bart Simpson knife goes in, guts come out, knife goes in, guts yeah. come out. It wasn't like cut that. Cut the fish, cut the fish, cut the fish. Yeah, yeah, fish. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, so back to this question. Sorry. Uh, I've done it with lamb with great results and was trying to come up with other things I could speedinize. Speedinize or speedinize? Speed, speedy, speediniate? What do you guys think? Speedinize. Speedinize? Mm. Yeah. Speedinify? Speediniatate? Hmm. One idea I had speediniate. was... Speediniate? Mm. Speediniate. Speediniate sounds like... Uh, Spadiniate sounds like something a lawyer would do in a courtroom. Um, one idea I had was al pastor, using layers of marinated pork interspersed with layers of pineapple. The flavor came out. Oh, so you actually did it. It wasn't just an idea. It was actually executed. He's just bragging. Wow, Stas is so rough on people, man. Mm-hmm. You know what? Cool. I, ho- I hope you guys enjoy it because this is like our lives all the time. Am I right? Am I right, guys? Why well, you gotta yuck his yum? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Well, is there a question? I mean, we've been yuck his yum. We've been yuck on is this. Yum. Is there an actual question? There wow. Is. The uh, flavor came out great, but I had an issue with the pineapple falling off the skewers while cooking. I think this is due to the small size of the pineapple at one by one centimeter. Do you have any idea on how I might make the pineapple layer that I could use that will hold up to grilling? I'd like to maintain some of the pineapple texture. So I don't want to have uh, something that would be like a totally smooth gels. Any other idea of what I could use this for? Thanks and good luck on the Patreon, John in Denver. Yeah, you know, the problem is is that like in general things that have to be like cut into layers like that, that's why, for instance, the pepper strip in the middle of an olive is a nasty gel. It's because the only way they can guarantee that it's not going to shatter or break along, you know, its inherent, you know, lines of breaking and force is uh, by turning it into a dag nasty uh, heat-proof alginate gel. And pineapple in particular, because of its structure, if you, if you mentally picture a pineapple, right, it has rays going through it. And they even, you know, if they're unripe, you can see they, they break along those rays. But a ripe one, you know, is compliant enough that if you stick a skewer through it, it will stay. But they lose their structure rather radically when they're cooked, and then it will just instantly fall apart along those rays. So, you know, it's almost like it would be like trying to keep a braised, a, a one centimeter cube of braised short rib on. If you did it low temperature, you, you could get it to work because, you know, the structure would be maintained, right? But, you know, once it's been turned into a friable thing, it's kind of no, no luck. So you could put chunks of it in a gel, I guess, but it's still going to be a gel nonetheless. I mean, you might be able to get something with the flavor of pineapple, um, but yeah, I don't think you're going to get cubes of pineapple to stick together uh, that way. You guys have any ideas? You think there's any solution? You should make an alginate. They're gross. He knows they're gross. You know they're gross. That's why you have that look on your face. By the way, if you are going to make a nasty alginate gel, I will tell you this. You got to make it, then you got to wait a day. You make it, then you wait a day. If you don't wait, it'll be too brittle. It'll get a little more compliant, but it's not going to taste any better. It's still going to taste dag nasty, but it will get a little more compliant. So you have to age them before the machine goes pow and shoves those little fake peppers into, uh, into the olives. Mm-hmm. Who here is a fan of the fake pepper? No. No uh, fan? No. Huge fan. Huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Cuban food. I love my, like, the, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Not kidding. Yeah. Wow. You should make a cookbook called Flowers for Al- Alginate. F- flowers for <laughs> Alginate? That's great. I like that. Flowers. What was the theory of that one? Is that the one with that? Uh... It's the mouse that gets super smart, but then the guy, it was Charlie, it was the movie. All right. Ernest Borgnine? Yeah. Huge, yeah. crazy, like, psychedelic scene at the end. Are you a Borgnine fan? Who's not? This is an accurate statement. For those of you that don't know who Ernest Borgnine is, look it up. Um, all right, let me see. What else we got here? 
Uh, Miguel Kunz wrote in, Hey, in past week's episode, you briefly mentioned how oil works to desiccate the surface of something that's being sautéed and therefore assists in achieving a crispy texture. I'd love to hear how you, uh, you get into the weeds uh, more on the mechanism of crispiness. I guess this will take up a large part of the miracle of moisture management. I promise to buy the book even if you discuss it on the radio beforehand. Thanks and bon appetit. I don't remember what I was talking about. Does anyone? I know Nastasia doesn't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> no. no. John, next time, figure out exactly what it is I said, and I'll try to only go into the weeds on, like, one specific thing, because otherwise I'll have to hear about it later from Nastasia. Okay. John, I mean, that means you have to go back and listen to I know, all the I episodes. Know. Yeah. No, just well, has to go look for this one. section. Yes, Stas. You know? Jeez. Doesn't Dave, make it more Dave, fun, but yeah. Dave calls John and is like, where's the radio show? I forget what address and what streets. And John's <laughs> That's like... That's not the he case. He hasn't done that here. Not in this, this space. This yeah, in the other one. So instead of For the first couple Googling, of times. Oh, first of all, Nastasia, instead of Googling what? Rockefeller Center? Go for it. You can't stand. find it. You can't find anything in Rockefeller Center. I love Rockefeller Center, but it's like yesterday I was like, you just have to say go next to the Victoria's Secret because Victoria's Secret has That's the big what sign. Joe had said before, yeah. Well, we're talking about the, the other space. The other one. The other one, it was just confusing as to which because the building is also through. And so sometimes we'd be like, we're going on from this street. Sometimes we're going on from this street. Boop, beep, boop, boop. And, you know, Nastasia just likes me to flail around. So she just does no, anything. Does anything to make me flail feel like around. Jo- like, that was such a weird. Oh, it, it, you know what? It was tell, me, tell me where it is. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> weird. John, do you agree? A little. It took a couple of times, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> I figured it out. Yeah. 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 All right, well, that's, that We're was all here. Cool story, bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> you brought it up. Well, she's the bro. Okay, okay. You looked at me when you said that. All right. Well, anyway. All right. Uh, Punch Rock Love on Instagram wrote in. Uh, we don't have any more Patreon questions, right? We nope, did? That's right. it. Uh, later this month, I'm doing it. Well, it's probably too late now. I'm doing a fried chicken pop-up. I'm, I'm going to a sous vide. I'm going to sous vide the chicken and let them dry in the fridge for a couple of hours. I was wondering if you had any tips that might help me achieve the best uh, sous vide fried chicken flour type, deep fryer setting, etc. Well, got good news for you, Punch Drunk. Uh... The good news about sous vide the chicken beforehand is the fryer temperature can be whatever you want because you've already cooked the inside of the chicken. The problem is going to be this. You need to let that chicken come up to temperature. I made the mistake once of uh, going direct from fridge to fryer, and then you need to get the center of the chicken warm before you're, before, you know, you, you, you're, you're doing anything, and that negates a lot of the, uh, uh, the benefits of going uh, sous vide beforehand, right? So I think like the worst offense you can do with uh, finishing a sous vide product is to do a cook chill and then give somebody a product that's cold in the middle, right? We've all had that happen. It's nasty. But you, how long you cook it is completely dependent on the on the breading system you use. I can't stress this enough. There is no one single breading system that works because. It's all about the exact moisture content and the exact type of starch and whatnot you use, whether you use leavening, whether there's a base in it, whether there's an acid in it. All of that's going to affect both adhesion and crust color. What I do when I do sous vide chicken, I do uh, – I go into flour. I, I, I First of all, you unbag them hot so that they can flash off on the skin and some of the excess moisture on the skin will flash off. So you don't let them cool in the bag. You unbag them hot. Uh, and then I do flour, and then I do a buttermilk, egg, soda, and powder. The soda will make it brown more. So if you're having a problem with it coming out too brown, omit or reduce the soda up the powder a little bit to get leavening. The powder is there to create leavening. If you don't leaven your batter slightly, and this is actually why people use things like uh, beer or seltzer or something that creates bubbles, if you don't slightly leaven your batter, this goes for all frying, or cause it to be leavened, uh, what happens is is that the violent water boiling out of the meat as you as you fry it tend to blow the crust off. So if you're having crust blow-off problems, it's actually a lot of times has to do either with poor adhesion, and you're going to help your adhesion by, like I say, pre-dusting with flour, not using a liquid-based batter, and letting it flash off hot. Uh, but also your leavening isn't quite right, and so you're getting massive bubbles that are just blasting the crust off of the chicken. Was that a good answer? Am I done? Good answer. 
Drink Mix Craft via Instagram. Uh, I was reading up on some of your old stuff on clarification. I was hoping you could clarify, no pun intended, but you did intend it because you wrote it. Uh, I believe you mentioned that mil- milk washing would make the cocktail have an extremely long shelf life. Is that specific to milk washing uh, or, or does it apply to centrifuges, agar, etc.? No, milk washing won't increase the lifespan. Uh, in fact, if you're going to use milk washing for shaking something, uh, it only lasts a week, like whether it's refrigerated or not, and then it loses its shaking powder power. What is true is that milk wash stuff doesn't spoil, so it will. It has an infinite shelf life. So you're not using milk washing to extend the shelf life. It's just you needn't worry when you milk wash something that it's going to go bad on. You're going to spoil. Is that an okay, okay answer? Good answer. Time uh, to go. What? It's time. Mm. All right. So uh, I will get to uh, it's two a.m. and Kevin Stedmeyer's questions next week. Phil Bravo, you got any stuff for us on the way uh, on the way out? I think uh, just thank you. Everyone, this has been Dave Arnold, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, Joe Hazen, Jackie Molecules, Jean Nihul. Close enough. I know. I tried. Okay, yeah, I yeah. looked at it and, I, <laughs> and it snuck up on me. Phil Bravo. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Yeah, cooking issues. <laughs>